don't know how many of you like to play games uh, or play games together specifically as a family. Uh, we, we try to have a family game night as often as we can. Um, sometimes that's around playing cards or phase 10 or something on, a, on uh, the Xbox or something like that. Um, and uh, oftentimes when we're playing cards um, or playing any game, uh, we choose not to keep score. And uh, there's just something about not keeping score that just there's a, a peace. There's a, just a little more fun, um, I guess you could say, than, than uh, when we choose to keep score. I, I don't know what it is, but when we choose to keep score, uh, you can turn really nice, jovial individuals into, I don't know what you want to call it, but whatever, uh, very competitive individuals. Um, I, I know this because that's me. Um, one time I was over at someone's home. We had been invited over to their home. We were playing spoons. And, uh, and so, uh, um, the Paynes know this really well because, uh, it was their house. And, uh, we were playing spoons and I dove for a spoon and snapped their dinner table in half. Um, and literally, uh, I snapped it right in half. And, uh, and, and, and why? Because we were keeping score. And there's something about keeping score that brings the worst out in people, right? And, uh, and, and so um, that's an all right thing when you're playing a game. Uh, when, when there's, you know, a sporting event going on, it, it's, it's okay for there to be a score to be kept because there's going to be a, a winner and there's going to be a loser, but when you start to apply that into your daily living, especially in regards to relationships, keeping score can become a very, very huge problem. And so as we think about keeping score and the idea of it in the context of our relationship, it's fine with games, but when you start to talk about the complexity of our relationships. And let's just be honest, relationships are not easy. Relationships are messy. Relationships are difficult. Relationships are work. And and then you keep in there and then you throw on top of that keeping score. Well, that can have massive massive and lasting impact that is not going to help that relationship. One married person said to their friend, you know, every, every time my spouse and I get into a conflict, they get historical. The friend said, historical? Don't, don't you mean hysterical? No, I mean historical. They rehearse everything I've ever done wrong in the whole history of our relationship. That's keeping score. That is keeping score. And that's just one example of many that can happen in our lives if we're keeping score. And here's what you need to understand. Here's the truth that I want you to grab over the next several weeks is this. You lose when you keep score. You lose when you keep score. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the, the love chapter that we call it and oftentimes is read at weddings. 
and other things of that nature where love is kind, love is this, love is that. One of the things that it says very specifically is love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. That love that's being described there is the love that God has for us, but it's also the love that his desire is for us to share with each other. And God says, very specifically, as Paul's writing, love keeps no record of wrong. No record of wrong. This series is going to challenge you to stop keeping score. It's going to challenge you to stop keeping a tally of who owes you and what you think God owes you and what you think you deserve and instead invites you to choose to lose count, to lose count of offenses against you, to lose count of what your right hand has given, to freely hold up hands that gladly give and receive, to lose count of our righteousness and our acts of right living. To freely walk in the sanctifying grace of Christ and even in our lives to lose count of our own failures and rest secure in God's grace and his sovereignty. Because again, here's the truth. You lose when you keep score. Would you turn to somebody and tell them that? You lose when you keep score. Turn and tell them. Look them in the eye. Tell them you lose when you keep score. Tell them that. Now internalize it. Internalize it. Repeat after me. I lose. I lose when I keep score. Yeah, I lose when I keep score. So think about that in your life. And, and hopefully as you think about this, as we begin to, to just, again, this is going to only hit the tip of the iceberg, honestly. In the time that we have, the amount of time that we have, there is no possible way we can deep dive on all of these things. So please know that as we, as we address every one of these different topics that we're going to over the next several weeks, that, that you understand that this is just a springboard into the deep end of a swimming pool that you need to explore, that you need to dive into and be willing to say, God, Direct me, show me what it is that you want to speak into my life. Because you've just asked him to speak into your life. Are you willing to listen to him and realize that as we go through these things, one of the things is it's just the service. So the question that, that I want us to look at is how can I stop from keeping score? How can I stop from keeping score? If you would, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be starting in verse 12. Well, we're going to actually start in verse 1. Colossians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And get this. They're struggling. They're struggling with growing in their faith. They're struggling with growing in their faith because the pressure and the culture in which they live is infiltrating every facet of their lives and they're struggling to grow in their faith because the world tells them one thing, Christ tells them another through, through, the, through Paul, and, and they're struggling to try to grow in their faith and not let the world's influence on their life control them, especially in areas of relationship. 
It's amazing, isn't it, how often Paul, Jesus, the Word of God addresses our relationships. You would think that that relationships are important to God. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're vital all the way from the beginning to all the way to the end of the Bible. We see the value and importance placed on relationships, and God's desire is to be reflected in those relationships and that in the way that we treat one another, in the way that we interact with one another, in the way that we uh, speak to one another, that we would reflect Jesus to one another. And so in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, in other words, if you put your faith in Christ, seek the things that are above. What are those things? They're eternal The things that are above are eternal, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Those things that are above are eternal. Those things that are on earth are temporary. They will pass away. He says, verse 5, put to death, therefore what is earthly in you. Put to death those things. It later says to take them off. Almost the idea is of undressing those things in your life that are dirty, nasty, filthy. Get rid of them. Get them off. Put on, he says, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Here's what he says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Be a bear to one another. Oh, wait, no, that's not what it says, does it? Bearing with one another. Put up with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, in other words, if you butt heads with somebody else, Anybody here ever not butted heads with somebody else? Good, no hands. So this applies to you. This applies to you. Is there a day that even goes by where you don't butt heads with somebody? Again, he says, if if there is a complaint against another, butting head with another... Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. These are not suggestions. These are not options. They're imperatives. They're commands. Put on a compassionate heart. Put on Meekness, put on kindness, humility, patience, bear with one another. And if you're butting heads with each other in a relationship, then here is the key really to stopping of the whole idea of keeping score is learn to forgive. Forgive. He says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We need to learn to forgive. 
How, how do I forgive as the Lord has forgiven us? I don't, I don't know about you, but as a child, my parents, my mom in particular, would, when we butted heads as brothers, or we butted heads with our parents, we would say, I'm sorry. But it wouldn't stop there. The next phrase would be, please forgive me, and then we would have to say exactly what it was that we did. Please forgive me for, you know, whatever. I mean, those of you that have siblings, you can only imagine, right? Um, I had two brothers, and so we, and one of them, cat and dog, man. I mean, seriously. Please forgive me for, and then, and then my parents would make the one who was offended I forgive you for. Now, I don't know about you, but I know when I was a kid and I was forced to say I was sorry and please forgive me for, and they would say I forgive you, there were many times, 30 seconds later, we were right back at it. Anybody else want to be honest? Yeah. But I am thankful that my mom and dad were trying to teach us the importance of being sorry for what you had done, not for being caught, being sorry for what you had done and asking for forgiveness and being willing to extend forgiveness. And that's something that if you want to learn to unlock this whole thing of keeping score, you need to learn to forgive. And not just any old forgiveness. No, you need to learn to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. So what does that mean? When you say, I forgive you, or will you please forgive me, or as Christ has forgiven you. What does that look like? What does that mean? Because, again, we don't see necessarily in the Word of God a clear-cut definition for forgiveness, but there definitely are principles that help us understand what does forgiveness and forgiving as Christ forgave you, what does that look like in our lives so that we can express that to somebody else? Well, I want to give to you, what I want to give to you today are the three F's to forgive. It is the only time that you can get three F's and it still help you pass. All right, I'm just going to say that. So here's number one, focus. Focus. The focus of Jesus' forgiveness toward us. Now, I'm going to give you some passages. We're not going to look them up. They're going to be up on the wall, I encourage you to write these references down, go back to them, study them for yourselves, get into the Word of God for yourself. It will bless you beyond measure, and I encourage you to do it. The first is Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, if you, Lord, kept score, Lord, who could stand? If God kept a record of sin, who could stand? Oh, Lord, with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. What is is the psalmist trying to communicate to us? What is God trying to communicate to us about his forgiveness in our life? It is a choice that you make. The focus is not 
keeping score. The focus is choosing not to keep score. That doesn't mean not acknowledging what has happened. Like I said earlier, when my parents would make us say, please forgive me, it was not just please forgive me in general, it was please forgive me for punching you in the face. Right? And we had to be specific about it. It's not as if God is saying here in Psalm 130 that somehow you just deny whatever it is or you just overlook whatever it is or you just sort of brush whatever it is underneath the rug hoping that it disappears. That's not it at all. But what he does say is I choose not to keep score. I choose not to hold this against you. I am not going to keep a ledger of all the things that you have done against me. I am not keeping score. Focus. Number one is not keeping score. Number two, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Oh, thank God for that. Abounding in love, praise the Lord. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our acts of sin, iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. What is his focus? His focus is not treating us as we deserve. Two words that are in there, grace and mercy. What does he do? He, he gives to us his grace. He gives to us his mercy. He does not give to us according to what we deserve. What do we deserve? We talked about it over the last several weeks. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity in hell. That's not his desire. His desire is to be in relationship with us. His desire is to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. He does not treat us according to how or what we deserve. That does not mean... That does not mean that what he is saying here at all means it's okay to sin. That's not what he's saying. And and when, when he forgives us, he's not saying to us, you know what? What you did is okay. Thanks a lot for doing that. I appreciate it. No, he died on a cross because of my sin. Because of your sin. It is not okay. Sin is never okay in the eyes of God. God hates sin. He hates it. But the beauty is he doesn't treat us according to our sin. He does not, he does not, again, it does not mean that he's okay with it. And and so if you're asking somebody for forgiveness or you're extending forgiveness, you're not saying to them, what you've done to me is okay. It's not okay. Some of you all have, have gone through horrific, tremendously horrific things that have happened in your life at the hand of somebody else. What they did was not okay and never will be okay, and you should never have to say it is okay. That is not what God wants to communicate to us at all. Listen, there is, it doesn't even mean that he's going to remove the consequences. The man who was on the cross next to Jesus, who asked Jesus to remember him when he went into his kingdom, 
That man still died on that cross. Jesus died on that cross. And so we need to understand that it's, again, Jesus' forgiveness to us is not treating us as we deserve. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 is the third part of this. I will be merciful toward their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, here, here's, here's the problem with this, is that we've created a statement in Christendom that says, forgive and forget. That is nowhere in Scripture. And that is absurd to think that a human being is going to be able to forget the trauma and the, the horrific actions of another individual on their life. And they're going to be able to just sort of get spiritual amnesia from that. No. Not, that's not even what this verse is speaking of in relationship to God toward us. That somehow he gets spiritual amnesia and doesn't ever remember it. No, the idea is, is that he is not going to bring it up to harm you. I am not going to bring this back up to harm you. I refuse to act on this. Because God, I mean, we're obviously, we talked about the fact that one day all of our works are going to be laid out before God. But the point of that isn't that he's going to punish us in that moment. The point is that he's going to, he's going to bring to light the things that are eternal. Again, are we going to be held accountable? Sure. But God's desire is, is not to harm us. And so forgiving like Jesus is to not remember it in order to harm someone in return. How often does that have to happen? This is the second F. Frequency. Frequency. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, this is Jesus speaking with Peter. Many of you know these two verses, in particular verse 21 and verse 22 of Matthew 18. Jesus is speaking about relational problems, relational difficulties, relational struggles. Peter, who uh, comes to Jesus, and in their, in their world, the rabbis would teach that forgiving somebody three times was adequate. That's all you had to do, is forgive them three times and everything was good. Peter comes to Jesus, and he says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I have to forgive him? And he thinks he's being really generous. As many as seven times? Jesus, verse 22, says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. What is 70 times seven, by the way? 490. Okay, good job. How many did you got that? 490. Good job. All right, you're thinking. That's good. 490. Is Jesus' point here to keep score? Oh, there, 489. 489 times, one more, baby, and they're going down. They're going down. I'm taking them out. No, that is not what Jesus is saying. 
It's hyperbole. He is giving to us the idea that it's not about how many times. It's as needed. Forgive as often as needed. Can I ask you a question? How long is God's forgiveness toward us? Is it temporary? It's eternal. His forgiveness toward us is eternal. Past, present, future, the Bible tells us. And what the beauty of that is, is that as often as we come to Jesus and ask forgiveness of our sin, he has already extended that to us. And we are standing in him forgiven if we've put our faith and trust in Christ. What a beautiful thing. And so what that means is, is that every time something comes up, every time I remember that whatever it was, that I once again extend forgiveness. I've had to walk through with people, forgiving people who are dead and have no way of saying, I forgive me. Have no way of, of, of being able to, to respond. And yet it's still necessary for that individual to say, I forgive you. I'm not saying what they did was okay. I'm not saying that what I'm not just somehow overlooking it, but I'm not gonna bring it up to harm you. I'm not gonna bring it up. But it does come back up. We remember those things, and as we do, we have to give and extend forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Every single time. That may be multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. So focus, frequency. The third thing is so important. Freedom freedom. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus then tells a story starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. In today's economy, that would be about $10 billion. No way. Since he could not pay, big surprise, verse 25, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And here's the picture of God. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. What is God's desire in your life? God's desire in your life is to set you free. That's why Jesus died on a cross and paid the penalty for your sin because you could never pay that penalty. You you owe a debt you could never pay off. But Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the penalty that you owe. And he paid it in full. And he offers to you freedom. He offers to you forgiveness. He offers to you eternal life. He offers to you the gift of freedom through his son, Jesus Christ, and eternal life with that freedom. 
And so it's a choice that we make and we say yes to him and we put our faith and trust in him and we are set free. However, on this horizontal plane, on this this day-to-day living plane, it's a choice that we make to continue to walk in freedom or walk enslaved to sin. And what ends up happening is Jesus in this story takes a turn, verse 28. The same servant, this one who just had been set free. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Denarii would be like the low, it'd be like pennies, the lowest amount of currency, a very payable debt. Notice what he does. He seizes him. He begins to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me and you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you. In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, here's what happens. What happens is is that God extends to us freedom through his son, Jesus Christ. But when we choose to not forgive others around us, when we choose to harbor, when we choose to keep score, what ends up happening is we get thrown into a debtor's prison of our own making. And in that prison, we suffer. In that prison, there is anger. In that prison, there is resentment. In that prison, there is a desire for vengeance. In that prison, there is all of these things that keep us From being clothed with compassion, humility, meekness, gentleness, kindness, love. And we end up being in this prison of unforgiveness that the only way out of it is for us to be willing to forgive. Willing to extend forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is a choice And the freedom that comes from forgiveness is a choice that you will make. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, Jesus says this, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. What is he saying? Is he saying that God doesn't want to forgive you? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he can't because you won't let him. You won't let him. You have so much bitterness, anger, rage going on in your heart, in your life toward another individual. You can never be set free unless you're willing to let it go. I'm not saying that you're saying it's okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that somehow you need to overlook it. That's not what I'm saying. But are you willing to forgive That's a choice that you make every single day. 
My friend, you need to understand, in your relationships with other people, you will continue to have struggle. You will continue to have strife. Why? Because you're human beings. You're not perfect. And you're not God. So you're going to continue to have struggle. And people are going to let you down. And your husband, your wife, your, your kids, whoever, are not going to do everything that you wish they would do. Exactly how you wish they would do it. It's not going to happen. So you got a choice to make. Do I forgive and experience freedom? Or do I stay stuck in debtor's prison? That choice is up to you. Jesus doesn't want debtor's prison for you. Jesus wants you to be free. And, and what's amazing to me is, is I talk to people, even somebody this morning, they came up to me and they were like, you know, I never would have thought that forgiveness would have had the freedom impact that it has in my life. But I can tell you, I've been forgiving and, and, and they described something that was horrific that happened in their life as a result of a relationship that they had. And they were saying, you know what, I've forgiven that person. I've forgiven that person. I've had to do it over and over and over again. But I can tell you that I feel free. And I, and I was like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, and the person was like, I don't feel like I have to get even with them. I don't feel like I have to get one up on them. I don't feel like I have to get vengeance on them. I'm giving that to God. And I'm going to let God take care of that. I'm like, wow. That's what I'm talking about. And so I, I don't know. I don't know your heart. I don't know your life. But what I do know is every single person in here said, basically, you didn't raise your hand when I said, do you, have you never butted heads with somebody? Everybody in here kept their hands down. So either you're a liar or you just didn't want to raise your hand. I don't know which. But... I think it's probably that you had struggled with people. So are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to let go? I'm not saying, please do not hear me say, I am not saying what, by forgiving, you're saying it's okay. It's not. It is not okay. And there's so much more depth to that, and, and, I, and really we don't have time to go into it, but Again, I told you at the beginning, we're just scratching the surface. The choice is you, up to you. To be forgiven is a choice that you'll make. To forgive, it's a choice that you'll make. And here's the deal. Again, say this with all honesty and love. You lose when you keep score. You lose. So you asked God earlier to speak to your heart. And follow up to that, what is he saying? What is God speaking to you about today? Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? Please share that with somebody. Don't just keep it in. Share it with somebody. Let them know. If you need practice or you've got questions or whatever, you want to interact with somebody about some of this stuff, my number is going to be up on the wall. I would love to interact with you about it. I may not call you this afternoon because it's Mother's Day and I told my wife that I would cook for her and so that's a really big deal. Like for me to cook is huge. Um, so I may not get to you this afternoon and, it, and so I'm asking for a little grace and a little mercy in that. 
Um, but I do want to get back to you, and I will do my best to do that as fast as soon as possible. Again, God knows your heart. Can you just, if you would, close your eyes, bow your head. I know that for some of you, this is huge, huge what I'm talking about. There's so many, I'm sure, follow-up questions and wonderings that you have. And can I just say to you, yes, I can answer those. I'd be more than happy to try to, to interact with you about it. But the best place that you can go to is to God. Because he's the one with the answers, the real answers. And honestly, I'm just going to take you there anyway. So I'm not saying bypass me. I'm, that's not, I'm not trying to get out of talking to you. That's not it. But I am going to point you to God. Because honestly, I don't know it all. I don't have complete understanding of all this stuff. And there's things that some of you all have gone through that I have no comprehension of whatsoever. And I cannot identify with you. But I do know one who can, and his name is Jesus. So, number one, do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, then my friend, right now, right here is the time to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'm not going to lead you in some kind of prayer or make you say some words or make you come down front or any of that kind of stuff. Because honestly, none of that is in scripture. It's not about the words of your mouth. It's about your heart. And yes, God asks you to confess. But that confessing is agreeing with him that what's going on in your life is sin and that you need Jesus. So I I still don't think it's about your words. Um, but it's about the condition of your heart and the words of your heart, and God knows those very, very well. So are you willing to surrender your life to him? If you say you're a follower of Jesus, are you extending forgiveness? Are you willing to forgive quickly rather than slowly? Again, I don't know your heart, and I don't need to. God does. I'm not here to judge you on that. That's God's job, not mine. But I know this. He loves you deeply. And he wants you to be set free. Will you let him? God, thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that in him we find true forgiveness. That in him we find true love. We know that you will never let us down. You'll never forsake us. You'll never turn your back on us. You'll never do us wrong. God, thank you for that. I wish that could be true in all of our relationships. But God, we know the reality of relationships, they're tough. And sometimes just they're beyond tough. We need you. So guys, we listen to the words of this song we think about what you're teaching us, may we be willing to say yes to you. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen.